0: hey everybody i want to tell you about one of our favorite companies ever ButcherBox. as many of you guys know i am absolutely fanatical about my diet and my health and i think that lisa is even more invested in her health and diet than i am because of all the gut issues that she's gone through and i used to always believe that a steak was just a steak and it didn't matter how it was raised or what it ate but i'm telling you right now it does matter i was absolutely wrong about that and lisa's painful gut issues have proven that firsthand to me She can absolutely tell the difference between beef that is grass-fed versus grain-fed. And I don't mean uh, like emotionally, like she really feels it in her gut. And ButcherBox completely gets our seal of approval. And besides that, Lisa's gut gives it her highest stamp of approval as well. And every box comes with at least 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual sized meals the meat is frozen at its peak of freshness in individual vacuum sealed packs butcherbox is creating a healthier food system where everyone has access to meat the way that nature intended it their website is easy to use it's simple to order exactly what you want and shipping is free and convenient there's no commitment Nothing like that, you can cancel at any time, and for only $129 per month, which is less than $6 a meal, ButcherBox will deliver directly to your doorstep high-quality grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, or wild Alaskan salmon in any combination that you choose. And ButcherBox has a special offer to share for our Impact Theory listeners. For a limited time, get two filet mignon and one pack of bacon for free, plus $20 off your first box when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash impact, or just enter the promo code impact at checkout. That's $20 off your first box and two filet mignon plus one packet of bacon by going to butcherbox.com slash impact, or just entering the promo code impact at checkout. All right, guys, I'm telling you, like 85% of my calories come from these guys. They are amazing. Enjoy this one and be legendary.
1: You're listening to Impact Theory.
0: Impact Theory. Impact Theory.
1: Impact Theory. Impact Theory.
0: Impact, baby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Impact Theory. As you know, Impact Theory has had an abundance of amazing guests with advice on how to bring yourself to the next level of success. And on this special episode, we have gathered together some of the best tips and put them in one episode just for you. And the best thing about these pieces of advice is that they are things anyone can do immediately. They're easy, practical, obtainable, and when used regularly, can change your life. For anyone who missed them the first time around, here is a brief list of the extraordinary people you'll hear from on today's episode. Leadership expert Robin Sharma, triple threat actress Megan Good, Best-selling author Mark Manson, media mogul Dame Dash, cultural phenomenon Rachel Hollis, widely popular keynote speaker Hal Elrod, personal finance expert Ramit Sethi, and world-renowned neuroscientist Sam Harris. So get ready for the secret weapons of success to be unleashed with our first guest, the one and only Robin Sharma. One thing that I want to talk about is that level of energy and enthusiasm. And you talk about that being something that's common among high achievers. How do we cultivate that?
2: Well, um, first of all, congratulations on all your success with the show and all the uh, people that you're influencing. So one of the lines right out of the 5 a.m. club is one of the DNAs of legendary is longevity. So if you look at the Picassos, the Jean-Michel Basquiat, you look at the great uh, sports champions, you look at the great history makers, they were much better at energy management than time management. And so we're in a war against distraction right now. And what we really have to do is optimize our energy. How do I do it? Well, I mean, I get to the morning routine, which, which the whole book is based on. But it's really quite powerful because if you start your day with sweaty exercise, you're actually going to activate a pharmacy of mastery that exists in every human brain. I know you love the neuroscience. You're gonna release BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. That's gonna actually accelerate your processing. It's actually going to repair brain cells that have been damaged by stress. You're going to release the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is the, the fire neurotransmitter, which we all need as entrepreneurs and business builders and, and servants of humanity. Um, cortisol, the fear hormone is highest in the morning, so exercising first thing in the morning is going to reduce that. I'm getting into my 2020 20 formula, but I mention it because it is a way to maximize your energy.
0: So talk to us about the 2020 20, I mean, you sort of um, started it there with the, the sweaty exercise, but what's the rest of that formula, which is pretty powerful?
2: Sure, so the new book is all about rising at 5 a.m. And that's because if you look at the great creatives and the great saints and the great humanitarians and the great titans of industry, many of them got up at 5 a.m. Even right now you've got Tim Cook and you've got Howard Schultz and it goes on and on. Before the sun rises is the time of least distraction. Before the sun rises, where you can build intimacy and fluency with what you want to stand for in your day. Before the sun rises, the luxury and tranquility of the early morning hours, you can do that deep inner work that will allow you to go out in the world and and play at your best. So what the 2020 20 formula is, is simply this. There's three pockets. The first pocket is move, 5 to 520. And you get into the sweaty exercise because, like I mentioned, it releases uh, neurotransmitters, it reduces the cortisol, increases your metabolic rate, which gives you more energy. So now, and serotonin as well, which gives you joy. So now it's 520, fundamentally you feel different, you have energy, your state is strong, you've got a fire in your belly and you've accelerated your focus. 520 to 540 is the second pocket of the 2020 formula, which is reflect. We live in a world where a lot of people are busy being busy, but what's the point of being busy around climbing the wrong Mount Everest?s And so clarity is one of the DNA's of mastery. You know this, if you talk to the titans of industry and you talk to the people really getting traction around their ambition, these are people who have a monomaniacal focus on the few things that matter. They have an obsession bordering on a possession around the few priorities they want to build their life around. And so 520 to to, uh, 540, the second pocket, you write in a journal, you meditate, you visualize, you do what I call in the book, a blueprint for a beautiful day. Um, or you just sit in solitude and you think and you ponder and you reflect. And then the final pocket is 5.40 to 6 o'clock, and this is the victory hour. Um, The final pocket is grow. But if you look at the greatest billionaires, I've coached many billionaires over the past 20 years. If you look at the greatest producers on the planet, these people have one thing in common. They are ridiculously curious. And no matter how much money they make and no matter how much impact they have, they maintain a white belt mentality. One of the keys to epic performance is a relentless commitment to daily growth. So that's the 2020 20 formula that the 5 a.m. method is built around. And the premise is basically this as you begin your day, so you handcraft the rest of your day. And if you have consistently great days, you're gonna have consistently great weeks, quarters, year, and a lifetime. So your days are life in miniature and you gotta get those mornings calibrated if you really wanna win.
0: So a door gets slammed in your face Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's gotta suck at a really real level. How do you process through that and get moving again?
1: For me in the beginning, it was like very devastating and frustrating and then I just fixed my mind to just say like what's for me is for me, no one can take it from me. And what's for someone else is from someone else, for someone else and I can't take it from them. And that's how I taught myself very early to not compete with other women and just, you know, I want to see them win and what belongs to them, I can't take it and vice versa. And so um, in terms of the grief of, you know, the frustration of certain things not working out or not being fair. I just fixed my mind to say, okay, so sometimes these things aren't fair and I have a choice. I can be mad. I can be upset. I can be hurt. Um, I could be, you know, jilted and have a a chip on my shoulder, or I can choose to say, let me just do what I can do to change things for the little girl behind me. Let me continue to push forward and be very thankful and happy for the things that I do get a chance to do, because I could be doing something else. You know, I could be Working somewhere where I'm not happy and not doing the things that are really in my heart and not following my passions, but I get to follow my passion every day. So to be grateful and to be humble and to have my perspective really be about, I am thankful to do this. You know, this is exciting, and um, to not get upset if it was mine, I would have it. You know, and so I've I've just changed my mind about how I look at it and how I think about it. And of course, there's those roles you go in for. You're like, oh, I really wanted that. But I just choose to say, you know what, I'm gonna get really excited for who did get it, mm-hmm. you know, and get excited for the thing that's mine that's coming. So.
0: I love that you say that's a choice. Yeah. That you choose to be excited for the other person. I think that's really strong. Um, your attitude and the way that you carry yourself and all that make you a hero to a lot of, a lot of people, first of all, and then a lot of young women especially. You. You've said that your mom is your hero.
1: Oh yeah. Why? Ah, uh, mommy. She's amazing, sorry, I'm gonna cry. Um, just, you know, she's done so much. You know, she was married when she was 19 and my older brother, um, he stopped breathing when he was a baby and he got brain damage. And she raised him by herself. And then she got remarried to my sister and I's father. And they were together for 10 years. And then my dad was LAPD for 26 years, and he was, you know, constantly working. So she raised me and Lamaya by herself. So it was me and Lamaya, my older brother Cobert, and then she adopted my younger sister, and she raised all of us by herself. And there were times where, you know, we had this three bedroom house and we had one extra room built on the back. And I look up and 18 people were living with us because my mother would literally take in everybody and literally care for everybody. And she really gave me that heart. Um, But she is just an incredible person. She's a lover, she's a giver, she's given every last thing that she can to my sister and I, to my sisters and I, my brother. And um, she's just my hero. I just love her and appreciate her. And know I wouldn't be here without her. And when I was a kid, I asked her, me and my sister asked her, do you think you could quit your job and maybe manage us so we could do this full time? And she did. Wow.
0: The thing that I found most interesting is the talk about values mm-hmm. and like how much values begin to inform your identity and basically your values are essentially who you are. Yes. Take us into that. What does it mean? And then how much malleability is there in values? Sure. So my,
3: my focus in my work has always been value focused. Um, I feel like in the self-help and self-development world, there's so much focus on success, you know, getting ahead in your career, starting a business, making more money, having better relationships, but nobody's actually standing back and defining what success is. Like, is our definition of success valuable or not? Um, and I think especially in Today's you know, crazy internet world where we're exposed to everything, um, deciding what we're choosing to define as success is, is a more important question than ever before. Um, so that's kind of what got me started on the whole value question in general. And then when I started investigating it and doing a lot of research and writing about it, I started to discover that like basically, you know, if you think of like how how you define a person in general. Um, as humans, we, we tend to define people by their choices, by their actions. Um, but then what motivates their actions? Well, often it's how they feel. And then what, what motivates how they feel about certain things and it's their perception of what's valuable and what's not. And so that's kind of how I drilled down to, to this idea that essentially what we are is just an aggregation of what we choose to value in this world. If I value money more than anything else, that will come to define me through my actions, my behaviors, what I invest my time and attention into. If I value family, um, that will define who I am
0: because everything else will flow from that. Yeah, the thing that I find interesting about values is people, often act as if they are empirical truths like money is valuable or family is valuable and they don't realize that it was a choice often handed to them by the way they grew up their parents with their parents instilled in them and so stepping back and recognizing that all of this is a choice that you can consciously decide what you're going to value and i'd love to hear your thoughts on how the process works of deciding to value something. So if somebody finds themselves in a place where they feel totally fucked up, they don't like who they are, and they buy into this notion that okay, a lot of this is being driven by values, how do they actually change that?
3: Yeah, it's funny because I'm not a huge fan of a lot of like kind of the typical self-help tropes, but the answer to this question I think is kind of classic visualization, but it's not the visualization that we usually hear about. So what I talk about in the book is that
0: You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein, And my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. YahooFinance.com.
3: You like, let's say, let's say I'm just really superficial and I value money more than anything. Like I've got like a fleet of yachts and it's it's all I care about, you know. Um, and then something happens in my life and I realize that that's pretty superficial. I should like grow up a bit and you know value something else. And it's not as simple as just deciding. Like we've all had that experience in our lives where we wish we cared about something that we don't or vice versa, we wish we didn't care about something that we do, and you can't just stop. Um, and so the the process that I describe in the book is that essentially, before you can commit to a new value, you kind of have to like try them on. Like, like, it's like going to a store and trying on a bunch of pairs of clothes. Um, and the way you try on a new value is you need to sit down and, and visualize, and you can even write it out if you want. But it's like, let's say all I care about is my fleet of boats, and, uh, and I wanna try on a new value, um, like charity or something, I have to sit down and start asking myself, what would it mean for my life, what would it mean for me as a person if I didn't value those boats anymore? Um, And that's a very hard question. It it really, it messes us up, because we realize that a lot of our relationships would probably fall apart, a lot of our business commitments would probably fall apart, um, a lot of our understanding of ourselves, would be shaken up or, or questioned. And it's a very difficult thing to ask. Um, and so you know, most of the times when you see visualization taught in the self-help industry, it's like they take a guy who wants a fleet of boats, and they say, visualize a fleet of boats. Now go get it. And it's like, no, no, no. What you need to do is take a guy who wants a fleet of boats and say visualize not wanting a fleet of boats. What would that say about you? Who would you be if that thing you always desired was not your desire anymore.
0: What is up Impactivist? Hope you guys are enjoying this episode. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and then we'll get right back to it. Remember, our sponsors are all hand chosen. We love these guys and think that they have something incredibly valuable to offer. So be sure to give a listen. A lot of these guys are doing special offers just for you. Hey everybody, I'm incredibly excited to tell you guys about our sponsors at Skillshare because as you know, I'm all about constant self-improvement, having a growth mindset and a relentless focus on progress and skill acquisition. And no matter what I accomplish, I always know my future is going to be bigger than my past. And the way that I guarantee that is by making sure that I'm constantly acquiring new skills. And the best way to explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and just get lost in creativity is with Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning, with so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth with thousands of classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Skillshare offers classes designed for real life, so you can move your creative journey forward without putting your life on hold. You can learn and grow with short classes that fit your busy routine. For instance, they have an amazing class by Simon Sinek called Presentation Essentials, How to Share Ideas that Inspire Action. If there is anyone that should be teaching that class, it is Simon Sinek. This is a perfect example of the unique classes you can find on Skillshare. You can also find classes on illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, entrepreneurship, and so much more. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And as an Impact Theory listener, you get two free months of premium membership at Skillshare. Dot com forward slash impact theory and sign up so guys explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash impact theory and get your two free months of premium membership enjoy this one guys learning cannot be overstated in terms of its power get after this one all right take care and be legendary hey everybody i want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at helix sleep as you guys know i believe sleep is one of the most fundamental and important factors for success i've had those nights like so many of you where it feels virtually impossible to relax and fall asleep so many things contribute to a bad night's sleep it could be stress from work school family or maybe it's something else you haven't even thought about your mattress something like that but how do you find the mattress that's right for you Helix Sleep has a custom mattress quiz that matches your body type and how you sleep to the type of mattress that best suits you. Now, I used to literally think that the mattress didn't matter. My wife had to harangue me, but I'm telling you, it actually does matter. And Helix Sleep was awarded the number one best overall mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. And they're giving Impact Theory listeners up to $200 off all mattresses. Just go to HelixSleep, slash impact. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. It's super easy, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Whether you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper, like a plush or firm bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising on an average mattress. You'll see exactly what kind of mattress best suits you. Helix Sleep is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com dot com slash impact they have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for a hundred nights risk free that's helix sleep h-e-l-i-x s-l-e-e-p dot com slash impact for up to two hundred dollars off all right guys take care and be legendary One of the things you talk about a lot that I think is insanely powerful is perspective. And those to me go hand in hand. So, talking about perspective, you've said that I know every perspective, from the smart perspective to the dumb perspective. One, why is that so
4: important? And two, how do you do that? Okay, so what I'm able to do is if I want something, I go into the future in my brain, which is powerful, and I visualize exactly what I want. So I'm there, I'm in my future. And then I think about every single thing I need to do to make that happen and every single thing that could stop that from happening or what I need to avoid. Then I go right back. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I was just in the future, thinking about watching myself on my television network. So because I do that, that means I have to think what would be the worst case scenario. And then I have to think what would be the best case scenario. And then I eliminate every single thing that I think could happen, which I call art detecting. And then I put everything and every single attitude and person around me in my vision that's going to make me get to what I want. And also I try to get the people around me to think about the same exact vision. So you can inspire people and all that energy is focused on one thing that they can visualize in their head. Then it becomes a tangible reality and I know that to be a fact because it's happened. It's a fact for me. So I continue to do that. I know that anything I can imagine, I can make happen, so I am really careful about how small my thoughts are, because I don't feel like wasting time in a 24 hour day making this much and I could spend the same amount of time with the same amount of energy if I art detected right and this much, and with this much, I can help so many more people that I love. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So That's how I look at all perspectives. It's the only way to prepare yourself. It's like. When you, you know, when you box, you look at tape, so you see where that person punches. So you, that's one perspective. you Look at it from another. You might want to fight from a left, from right, you might want to fight from Southpaw. You know, it's just studying. And the more you're prepared, the easier your time is. What I tell my staff and everyone that works with me is, the more you care, the more you prepare. Period. And thinking is a part of that. You'd be surprised how many people are scared to think. Most of my arguments don't come from me pushing somebody physically. It's from me pushing them to think. I'm like, God damn, you don't want to think? Like, that doesn't eat... Like, it's harder to run a fucking mile than to think. So why is it less scarier to work out than to just think? And it doesn't take any physical effort. It's about a perspective. Why are people so scared of the unknown? Just because you don't know an answer... Like, Google was so foreign to me up to a couple years ago, as surprising as that may seem. But Raquel, who's wifey for life, he remembers the moment that I was like... Holy shit! I could find out everything, all this time. You know, all I would have had to do was look, and I would have seen how easy it was, but because it was unknown in the moment, I thought it was complicated. How many times do you get a remote control, it does three million things, but just because you don't know how, you can't figure it out. You're like, fuck all those other things. Even though if you look at it, it will make life a bit easier.
0: So, how did you go from being paralyzed by your mother in law's expectations or what, you know, your eighth grade friend was gonna think yeah. of you, to, to really owning
5: that? Well, I think first of all, it was over a you know, a decade. I, I know everyone sort of and nowadays, we see social media, we're always kind of looking for the magic bullet. And I, if you want business advice or life, I mean, I can tell you what worked for me, but none of it's fast. And I, I don't think that the things that are lasting are ever quickly accomplished. So for me, a couple of things, I had a really pivotal moment. And like at some point, I'll stop quoting him, but I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins. He, going to UPW changed my life. Um, that's not an ad and I don't actually know him. It just really was a huge deal for me. Uh, but I was at that conference years and years ago and um, he they do this thing where it's a question he asks everybody like, oh, which parent uh, did you crave love from most? And if you've seen his documentary, he, he does the same thing in the documentary, not who did you love most, who did you crave love from most? And for me, it was my dad. And he said, now who did you have to be for him in order to get his love? And for me, I I knew the answer. This was nothing new. I'd done a ton of therapy. So I'm like, that's why I'm an achiever. Like, I had to perform. In my family, nobody paid attention to you unless you were doing something good. So if you got an A on the test, if you scored a goal in the soccer game, then we all clap for you and we love you. And the second that that achievement is done, we're back over here doing our thing. And what that teaches a child is that in order to get love, you better keep achieving. Now, I don't regret that because, gosh, it's, manifested into something really powerful as an adult. But, um, so he asked that question, who'd you have to be? And then he says, and who else did you have to be? And I had never consciously had this thought and it fell out of my mouth, small. So my dad was um, little girl. Little girl, you don't know what you're talking about. Little girl this, little girl. And he wanted you to be bigger than life when other people were watching. But he also believed that children should be seen and not heard. You Little girl, you better shut your mouth. So how do you carry that? How do you carry, be as big and achieving as you can possibly be and then shut up because nobody wants to hear what you have to say? And I found myself as a grown woman sitting there realizing that this had become my career. So I had, in the dark, like behind the scenes in a way that it wouldn't bother anybody, I'm building and dreaming and an entrepreneur and super proud of what I'm doing. But if you had asked me, what do you do? I'd be like, oh, I have this little blog, and it was at the time I'm like by myself. It's over six figures. I was really proud of what I would, but I never said that. Family parties, oh, oh, Rachel, she's a little blogger. She's a little DIY, but I, I wouldn't claim what I was doing because I just thought. I've gotta be big and I've also gotta be small. So for me, it was A, understanding why. That's why I think um, therapy is so freaking powerful. It's not that time that you sit in the chair with someone and, and cry about all the things. It's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, that's why. If you know why, you can learn how to navigate around something. But I think if you don't know the core of the problem, you can't move past it. So understanding why, I felt that way and also making the decision as a people pleaser that I would no longer seek love from others in negative ways. And the only way I know how to do that is I'm going to be so filled with love myself. I'm going to be so filled with love for my in-laws, for my parents, for, for everybody else that it doesn't matter if you love me back. I'm going to love you so hard it doesn't matter if you love me back. Because if I've got enough love for both of us, then I don't need to try and shape myself into someone new in order for you to approve of me.
0: Talk to me about fear. Like, it, I, I have a, um, from an emotional standpoint, I'm, I will put myself in the almost emotionally invulnerable, invincible, <laughs> yeah, position. Like, I, I've spent an inordinate amount of time on that. Yeah but I would have to process through some real fear, even if it was just, okay, now what happens to my wife? What happens to my family? So how did you deal with that?
6: Um, here's an important piece of this is when it comes to accepting all things that you can't change, death is one of those things. So I made peace with death a long time ago. And, and I think that death is a big fear for all of us. And to me, it, I've gotten to the point where I realize it doesn't even make sense for that to be a fear for, for anything that's inevitable or that you can't change. Right, that there's no point in, in, in resisting it and wishing it weren't going to happen. And, and the way that I look at death is it's the other side of birth. And we don't fear birth, right? But birth and death are both just as inevitable.
0: And they're two sides of the same coin that is life, right? But I, oh man, I, it's, that's the one thing I've heard you say where I was like, uh, and, and I'll say why birth gives death takes or such is my perception right now and maybe you're about to give me a breakthrough and i'm so fucking open to that you can't imagine but like the the thing that that i really want to understand like how you've dealt with it internally is that that um what and maybe i'm packaging it wrong when i say it out loud but that sense of i want something so badly and thusly i am terrified to lose it and the the wanting is so powerful and so important and so beautiful that I know I don't want to give that up but yet it creates the fear it, it is the I mean like the old Buddhist notion of life is suffering because you want things because you want things and you may not get them because you want things you may lose them like the love for a child I imagine I'm not a parent I imagine is transformatively profound but it fucking sucks you in, dude, and it gets you to the point where now, like right now, I'm not afraid to die except for my wife. Legitimately, for myself, eh, whatever. Like, I I won't say that I'm not bothered, but it's like not a grand fear of mine. Even though I talk a lot about living forever, that's me moving towards something, not away from, I don't, I'm not moving away from death. I'm moving towards the things I would be able to do if I could live forever. But dude? the thought of having kids, or the thought of leaving my wife behind, that shit makes me emotional. Yeah. And so I really wanna know, like how did you process through that? Because in there somewhere is, is a breakthrough for me if nobody else. Yeah, so that was the hardest thing. Like I said, because I've made peace with death, I was
6: imagining my wife and my kids losing me, um, especially my kids. Like the, the, the most important thing in my world, in my life, is that I can influence my children in a positive way to set them up for a great life, right? Um, and so that, that, that I might not have that opportunity was the the hardest thing to deal with. I think that part of it is I didn't spend a lot of time on thinking about that, right? So that's the thing, is people that have a lot of fear, you're thinking about the things that you're afraid of, right? You don't have the fear of, and if you're not thinking, right? If you're not thinking about the thing you're afraid of, but as soon as you're thinking about it, you're, the fear comes up. So for me, um, I use affirmations a lot too. That's one of the miracle morning practices is affirmations. And affirmations, I think, have a kind of a bad rap, you know, like Stuart Smalley, you know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and people like me. And then they're taught by like a lot of self-help pioneers is like, lie to yourself. If you want to be a millionaire, just say, I am a millionaire over and over and over until you believe it, right? But we're if we know the truth, you're like, I'm a millionaire. You know, your brain's like, dude, no, you're not, right? You're like, Shut up, I'm doing my affirmations, right? Like, so anyway, the point is, the way that I view affirmations is they simply direct your focus on wherever you want your focus directed. So you can literally, like a computer program, you can go, okay, what are the beliefs that I want to focus on so they expand inside of me? Even the thoughts that I wanna focus on. What are my values? What are the behaviors that I need to embody, right? So, so you read these affirmations every day and you're programming yourself to live in alignment with that program that you've designed.
7: So um, let's talk about the job stuff because I talk about jobs, it's a little unusual. Uh, I think that uh, it's become very popular online to say like, screw jobs and like be an entrepreneur. And I think entrepreneurship is great, but I also think most people have a job and you can create amazing value by working with a team. And I have employees and they do an incredible job. Mm. So, and I've had jobs. So um, I think that uh, when it comes to a job, there is a totally counterintuitive way to approach it. Uh, I, I routinely show people how to negotiate $10,000, $25,000 raises all the time. And you're like, that's crazy. There's no way, et, et cetera, et cetera, excuse, excuse. Here's the different approach. The, the first way that most people think is like, if I'm going to negotiate for a raise, which like, oh, they might just like fire me. That's problem number one. That's, that's the wrong way to look at it. If you go in and ask for a raise, you're not devaluing yourself. You're actually increasing your value. Because what type of person would go in and ask for a raise? A top performer. So the second thing is they believe that they have to kick down the door of their boss and say, like, give me money. Well, if you do that, of course, they're going to kick you out. That's a very impolite way to do it. A third way is much more effective. So I'll just give you, like, the quick lay of the land. If you want to get a raise for anybody watching, this is how you do it. You send an email to your boss. You say, you know what? I would love to meet with you and I would love to discuss what it takes to be an absolute top performer in this role to make your life easier. Could we set up some time in the next week or two? Of course, 100% of bosses are going to say, yes, I'd love to see you. So you go in there and you say, hey boss, really appreciate you taking the time. I've enjoyed my role. I just want to tell you that I don't want to just do a fine job. I want to be a top performer here and I would love to know exactly what it takes for me to be a top performer. Okay, so... Let me just pause right here. If I'm the employee and you're the boss, how do you feel right now with me walking in and asking this? So fucking good. Like This is the greatest advice of all time. Okay, because we're creating value, right? And I'm not coming in saying, like, give me money. I'm like, please advise me. You're the boss, I wanna learn from you. So the boss is gonna say, they're gonna give you some generic answer because they weren't prepared for this. Oh, you need to show up and blah blah, 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 whatever. You say, I really appreciate that. I'd love to get really specific. In fact, I did a little bit of research before I came in here are three things I think would make. Look at that, look at the face! Because bosses don't hear this. Most of their employees just show up, do what's expected, and then they're like, how come I'm not getting a $10,000 raise like Ramit said? Because you don't deserve $10,000 unless you go above and beyond. So, you know, hey boss, uh, I know that I'm currently working on this sales project and we're slated to have a 3% improvement. I really think we can do six. Would that be part of top performing role here? Yes, what about this, Da da da. So you you have a little discussion and you say, okay, am I reading this right? These three things would help me really outperform at this role. Yes. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'd like to get to work on this. I'm gonna commit to sending you an update every week or every two weeks. And at the end of six months, I'd like to come back and show you what I accomplished. If I do it, I'd like to discuss a salary adjustment at that time, but let's not even worry about that right now. Let's have me focus on this. What do you say?
0: Fuck yeah. (laughs) One of the things I struggled with with meditation was it felt decidedly feminine Mm -hmm. um, and in a way that, as somebody who I felt I felt that um, certainly growing up that I was far more on the feminine end of being a guy than anything else, and so for me my journey certainly to being an entrepreneur was one of toughening up, um, and so anything that that made me sort of feel that old school sort of gentle way. Um, I would push back on and it's why I didn't meditate for a long time. Uh, but I see you, you're doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you're somebody who obviously cares about martial arts and being able to fight and defend yourself, I've heard you talk very eloquently about um, violence and clearly in your professional life, you've just even just what you've done in the writing, let alone the lecturing, you've already achieved such massive success, I Refuse to believe that there wasn't a just massive amount of energy behind that. So how do you think about meditation in that context? Is this like going to war with your mind and you're, I'm going to come out the other side having faced demons uh, and having won some sort of victory that allows me to perform at a higher level or am I totally missing all of this and it needs to be a letting go, a a more peaceful, relaxed sort of transient experience?
8: Yeah, well, at first it's a very common association. I, I, I totally understand it. And it's presented in many ways where yeah, you under that framing, you can just feel the testosterone leaving your body, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that's not my orientation. It is a lot like jujitsu for the mind, and it's and it's a lot like it. it I mean, what's so beautiful about jujitsu in particular is that you can have this massive effect in the domain of violence while being relaxed. It is what aikido off, you know advertises itself to be. But it's a much more, you know, at least in my estimation, a much more effective version of that same underlying ethic, where you can, like, you can control someone uh, and use as a little violence as as necessary, and basically just use a, a superior knowledge of physics and leverage and position against them. So it's it's a very, it can be incredibly relaxed and yet. Um, Given what, what the circumstance is, it can be a, a, a very high testosterone experience. You know, it's not—it's a kind of quintessentially um, uh, masculine thing to be doing, but uh, you can internalize the same sort of structure, and that's largely what meditation is. Because basically, the the default state is one of being attacked and ambushed all the time by your thoughts and by your reactivity and by uh, you are being taken in by assumptions and and illusions, and not know, you, know, just, you just you just you're in a fog, uh, not you personally, but you know one is, and um, you know even when you learn to meditate, you're in this fog most of the time. I mean, and so you're, so the practice is one of continually breaking the spell.
0: Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together. I think some of the advice that was laid out is some of the most extraordinary advice that you will hear anywhere. And I promise if you put it to consistent use in your life, it will change you for the better forever. Right. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.